That's fun. Welcome to this week's I Know, I Know, a Solo Beatles podcast where we talk all things Solo Beatles. Now, first, I should, I'm going to introduce my co-host who does the Ringo Rama podcast, um, Lucas Hammer. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Excited to be here. We have a very, very special guest today. Um, probably this is probably the closest we've gotten to somebody that works very, very currently with a Beatle, and that would be Ringo's producer since and recorder and recorder since and co-writer. Yeah, and co-writer and <laughs> he does. He's a jack yep. of all trades. <laughs> um, and he's been working with Ringo since two thousand three if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, Bruce Sugar, welcome to the show. All right. Thanks. Uh, how, how's everything going in LA? Uh, it's good, you know. I mean, it's been a, a strange couple of years here, a year and a half or so. And uh, luckily, we've, we've been keeping really busy uh, recording. You know, no one's on the road. So all my clients are uh, wanted to record. So it's actually been a very good year for me recording wise now if you don't mind me asking when was the last what was the last interaction you had with Ringo when yes uh yesterday wow yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah I mean we're you know we're putting we're right in the middle of putting out this new EP which you I guess you heard of the world just got you know the announcement just came last night the song's great it's rocking thanks yeah, so we, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the releases, releasing it and some other, you know, different formats and the mastering and all that. So, yeah, I talked to him the other day. Wow. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> all you need now is an 8-track with the formats. Excuse me? All you need now is an 8-track with the oh, formats. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah he got his cassette going and uh, we got the vinyl and... Uh, cd and streaming so got it all covered this time i like doing these eps though because they're not as you know, they don't take as much time to do number one and, uh, you know you, you get to uh have them released more than once you know during the year so you can have several release parties and listening parties and etc is his plan to do this for um, do two a year, one in like the spring and one in the fall. Or? I think it's kind of up in the air, you know. Yeah. All, this really came about because of the pandemic. I mean, we were sitting around, we did the one, and then I guess he thought things were going to clear up. And you know, I know he wants to be on the road more with the All Star Band, but uh, that didn't happen. So we started the second EP, and now that one's done and hopefully we'll be able to get back on the road soon but uh who knows you know it's it's been uh been a weird one this year yeah well he looks great i mean yeah i'm 14 and he looks better than me <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you become a beetle fan so early in your life did your parents turn you on to, to the yeah. Beatles? Or? no interestingly enough it was through john lennon's solo career oh okay I got the Imagine LP when I was, oh, maybe seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was my gateway drug. And then I got Sergeant Pepper on the oh. 49th anniversary. Yeah. And I haven't stopped ever since. Oh, good. Well, 
keep it up and keep spreading the word. It's great that the younger generation is getting turned on to the music of the Beatles and, you know, their message is always a positive message and, and the music obviously has held its own for over 50 years. So, What was like the first, um, what, what was your gateway drug to the Beatles? I mean, when, how old were you when they came on Ed Sullivan, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I mean, I was probably seven or eight, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think I was eight. And, uh, you know, that was the gate, you know, for people in my generation, pretty much everyone watched that Ed Sullivan show. And, you know, that was the talk of the elementary school <laughs> at that time when, uh, when they played. And uh, actually, I started uh, as a young kid playing piano. You know, we had a piano in the house. And, like a lot of parents, uh, you know, maybe take piano lessons. But after I saw that show, I wanted to play drums. So I started, I'm, I'm actually a, a drummer as well. And, uh, and a huge Ringo fan. So it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing that, uh, you know, 30 or 30 or 40 years later, you know, I'm working with Ringo. So. How did you come across, um, how, how did the whole Ringo gig even happen? Um, what was, I mean, because like in 2002, were you like, was that still millions of miles away? No, I mean, I've been in L.A. since 1985. And I forget what year it was. It was Ringo, maybe it was 2003. So I, I had been working here as an engineer and producer. And I got a call from one of my friends that uh, Ringo's producer, who Mark Hudson at the time, uh, needed someone to fill in for a few days um, at his studio in West LA. And, uh, that was during the Ringo Rama album. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a great opportunity. I thought it was just going to be for, you know, three or four days and that was it. You know, I ended up, uh, you know, doing the rest of that record and then, you know, the rest is history, you know, but, uh, Stayed with him over the years. He's been very loyal, which is great. And, uh, since Mark Hudson was out of the picture, I kind of got into doing some uh, production as well. Yeah. Um, when did you first realize you were want to be that you wanted to be a producer? Oh uh, boy, I mean, it's, I don't know. I never really want you know aspired to be one. I just. I mean, it's kind of a long story. I started out in Colorado. I was going to uh, University of Colorado there for unrelated to music. Uh, but I had a friend there that built a mobile recording studio. And I helped him build the studio. We ended up doing some gigs at Red Rocks. I think the first gig we did was a Little River Band. You probably don't remember that, but uh, uh, that was the first gig we did at Red Rocks. And then after we graduated college, he invited me to move to Nashville because it was a mobile truck. We recorded live concerts and I ended up moving to Nashville and that company ended up going out of business. And I stayed in Nashville for five years. That was 1980 through 85. And then I kind of got disoriented with the music business in Nashville and I wasn't really into country music as much. Moved to L.A. And, uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't really trained as an engineer or producer, but, you know, I've always been musical. So it just kind of fell into place. Wow. 
a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, a lot of weird sessions. And, you know, I did a lot of commercials and TV shows and Latin pop music and, you know, whatever you can do, you know, to stay alive here. Um, Lucas, I'll hand it over to you to ask some questions. Of course, now on this new, just in these EPs era, you've become a frequent co-writer with Ringo. Well, go ahead. The two tracks that have been, I don't know if the second one was a co-write, but you have Waiting for the Tide to Turn on Zoom In. And this new EP, which has a reggae-tinged track, is that a co-write? That is a co-write, yeah. You know, those are actually the first two co-writes I've had since Mm -hmm. 2003. And we both love reggae music. And, you know, I guess it. uh, I had a couple tracks sitting around. And on the last EP, you know, we kind of worked out that one and co-wrote the lyric together. And, and, uh, you know, it worked out pretty well. So on the new one, we got a a new reggae track that we co-wrote as well. So that's been fun to be able to, to collaborate with them. I actually collaborated, uh, we did a thing for the United Nations, Now the Time Has Come. Yeah. For that track, uh, Ringo wrote the verse that he sang on that as well. Uh, I was a writer on that. So that's actually the first kind of co-write we did together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, will we see, you think that these reggae tracks, I mean, you think you'll be doing more of these? Because uh, they're very good. They're very enjoyable, at least the one I've heard so far. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I don't, you know, it's hard to say what's in the future, you know. We'll yeah. We'll do some more. Uh, I wanted to do a whole reggae album with Rango, but I don't think he's into that. But uh, These tracks are enough. Yeah, you know, he, he always does eclectic stuff, you know. He'll have a rocker. And he'll have a, you know, I don't know if you've heard this whole EP, the uh, Coming Undone, the Linda... Perry's song is really kind of a different vein. Of course, the EP isn't coming out for a good month now. We've only heard the uh, title track, but okay. yeah, you'll from enjoy the, the interview the and all the press around it, it seems like this is going to be this is going to be a good EP. It really is. You know, the Linda Perry one came out great, and uh, we got Trombone Shorty on that one as well. It was really great, and uh, and then he does a remake of Rock Around the Clock which is a fun track. Joe Walsh plays lead guitar on that one. So yeah, it should be, it's great. These EPs, you know, you can get in the studio for a month or two and knock them out and everyone doesn't get burnt out. You know, sometimes LPs can be tiresome, you know, they take a long time to record and the mixing takes a long time. Yeah. So moving it back over to Hudson. All right. Um, I know back in 2017, um, the album Choose Love, I mean, Give More Love, um, (laughs) was originally going to be a country album. What happened? Uh, I never heard that, that it was supposed to be a country album, but uh, there's some country kind of tunes on there. Yeah. I don't think Ringo really has ever, other than, you know, the one record he made in Nashville that... uh, and uh, Memphis. Right, Memphis. But I don't think he's made a, uh, a totally country album. I know people have been asking him to do that for a while. But uh, like I said, you know, he he just does songs that he enjoys. And sometimes they're country, sometimes they're rock. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, when 
So I want to go to 2010 when um, this guy named Paul McCartney, um, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, um, you worked on a song called Walk With You. Um, when you heard Paul, when you realized Paul McCartney is coming into the studio, what was your immediate reaction? Well, that was the, I've met him a couple times before that, but that was the first time I got to work with him in the studio. And obviously I was pretty excited to not only him, you know, him and Ringo together in the room. And it was actually, you know, cause usually when they're together, there's tons of press out there. There's cameras going, and, you know, they're kind of in their beetle mode, but I, I was real fortunate to, uh, to work on that session. And, and Paul could have been more humble, man. He played bass on one song. Uh, I think it was Peace Dream. He played on, oh, that was from the Why Not album. And he played bass on that. And then we played him Walk With You. Uh, and we wanted him to play bass on that, but he instead said, well, I have another part, you know, uh, and the, the singing part. So we, we weren't really going to ask him to sing initially, but he volunteered to do it. And I uh, came up with that great part. But yeah, no, it was, it was magic to be in the studio with them. And there was no cameras, no press. So they were just interacting as, you know, brothers as, as they are, you know. It was, it was really great to uh, be able to experience that. Um, with the new EP, um, were these all like one session or were these multiple sessions like um, in between Zoom in and... Uh save the world change the world change the world, change the world. um it was multiple sessions uh you know ringo has that home studio that we work out of and uh some of them like change the world uh steve lukather and joseph williams they put most of that track together they did that at their studio and then they sent the files over to us and then ringo played drums and uh sang on it and then I actually went into the, another studio to do the gospel singers on the end. That was a separate session. But most of the stuff is the same with the Linda Perry song. She recorded a lot of the stuff at her place, sent it over to us. Ringo played drums and sang on it. And I sent, I sent the tracks to uh, New Orleans where uh, Trombone Shorty put his part on. So, you know, a lot of it was, you know, done during the pandemic. So the sessions were, you know, the, the sessions at Ringo's are kind of limited. We could try to keep, keep it safe, you know, because it was, I think it was actually before the people were all vaccinated. So we were kind of in a little bubble and there might've been, I think Nathan East came over once or twice to play bass. And, uh, we had Ben Montench on keyboards. I think he's on this one. Anyway, it was a very limited group that came by to the studio. But it was done over a couple of months, you know. We we didn't do them all at once. Um, would you be able to give us like for mixing um nowadays, like what's the software you use and like what do you what would you say like your who would be like what would your style be based on? Like what big producer would your style be based on and what were some of your, your inspirations? Uh I mean, I use Pro Tools to mix. It used to be, you know, you go into a studio with a big console and you do all that and, and do your work. And uh, now it's pretty much in the box. You can mix everything via the software. 
And, you know, I, I mean, inspiration, I just have a lot of different people. I've listened to their productions and stuff. There's no one in particular that comes to mind, but uh, I think the main thing is to try to be a liaison between the art of the artist and, and the technology and try to bring out the emotion of the song and the performance of the singer, which is the important thing. So that it's really, to me, what producing and, uh, and mixing is all about. Um, like, would you say that, um, is that like a heavy piece of software? Like, do you have to have like, is that you have like a computer with like a mixer plugged in or is it just like with a mouse and a keyboard? Uh, it's a little more complex than a mouse. I mean, you can do it. I mean, people do it on laptops. I have some mouthboard gear I use that I interface with the computer. Uh, but, uh. It's mainly in the computer, but there's really not a mixer. I have a monitor box that, you know, because I do uh, surround mixing as well. I need something to, to uh, make that happen. Uh, we're actually going to go into Capitol next week and do uh, Dolby Atmos mixes on this EP. Wow. Exciting. I don't know if you guys are into that or. I, I heard the Dolby Atmos zoom in. It's like an alternate mix. I love it. Oh, you heard it? What yeah. for? What uh, platform did you hear that on? Uh, I had a friend of mine send me M4As of it. And how, I'm just curious, how do you listen to that? On what kind of system do you have? A well, I just took, you know, I went into Audacity and just took out the channels, or I mix it down the stereo. Oh, okay. I've yet, I've yet to hear. Um... I don't have, is it on Apple Music? Is that where he puts the Dolby? Apple yeah. Music has a title, has it, and Amazon has it as well now. Okay. I'll have to look into getting Apple Music. But there's, I mean, there's boxes out, you know, a lot of those uh, uh, Amazon, what do they call them? Those little boxes that you talk to. Or they, there's a couple of a little Amazon Echoes. Echoes. They have Echoes now that will actually play uh, Atmos because they got speakers. Uh, that shoot out sound. They're just one box, but they shoot the sound in different uh, areas. I haven't seen those yet. And then there's, you know, the the uh, binaural headphone mix is interesting as well. You can listen on headphones. Um, I haven't really, you know, that's the delivery system to Atmos is kind of still up in the air. Uh, the best way to do that. I guess some of the TV, uh, you know, those sticks that come that you can buy pretty wow. good as well. In fact, this is Ringo's fourth release in a uh, multi-channel format. Besides, of course, good night being in quad in the Ringo 5.1 collection and zoom in. Right, yeah. Well, I'm glad that the record companies are starting to adopt the uh, the Atmos mix because I think it's an exciting format. You know, hopefully they'll be able to come up with something that's accessible to everyone that sounds really great. Uh, I mean, supposedly on an iPhone, you're supposed to be able to play Atmos stuff now. So I don't know, you know, I think it's pretty early in the in the uh, evolution of Dolby Atmos, but uh, we'll see where it goes. How many takes? You listen in the studio, like a Capitol. I mean, it's stunning, you know, how great it's happening there. Um, how many takes are there of... Um the songs on a uh, zoom in like normally how many takes you know the, 
none of that was done with a, a band in a room, really. It's all kind of like, you know, we do a piece here and there. So there's not really multiple takes of anything. You know, we'll do, you know, if there's a guitar player in there doing a solo, we'll, we'll take a bunch of takes and, and then comp them together. But it's not traditionally done, you know, especially these last couple EPs weren't done traditionally where, you know, I have four people in a room playing down the song and taking many takes, you know, a lot of it was just someone put down a keyboard part and then Ringo would play his drums. He might do two or three takes that we comp together. And then when he sings it, he'll do, I usually have him do four takes of each part and then I'll comp that together. So, I mean, record making's changed a bit, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, when Ringo uses auto-tune, um, without auto-tune, is his voice still in, would you say his voice is in good shape? He sounded as good as he has, yeah. I mean, you know, the auto-tune just, the auto-tune doesn't convey emotion or tone or anything else. It just changes the pitch, you know. So whatever you hear is him doing his thing, you know. The auto-tune just uh, augments the performance if he's flat or sharp on a note here or there. I don't use a lot of it, but, uh, you know, every, it's pretty, you know, in most modern music, probably every vocals run through it now. Um, with some of these, like with um, Ringo's albums, what, what, was there any, like, artists that you were really starstruck with? You know, like, oh, my God, I'm in a room with... Well, I mean, obviously with him, Paul in the same room, that was probably the ultimate for me, especially growing up with the Beatles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, the one part of the great part of the Ringo gig is the, the amount of people I've met through him. You know, I've, you know, obviously I've met Joe Walsh and I work with Joe as well. And, uh, and most of the people in the all-star band have come through at one point or the other. I don't really get too starstruck, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, him and Paul together were probably the, the most starstruck I've got. Um, do you think he'll work with Paul in the future? Uh, we'll see, you know, I hope so. You know, I mean, every time they work together is a blessing, really, you know, with all the crazy stuff going on in the world and everyone's far apart. So uh, hopefully they'll, they'll some, do some stuff together as well. Um. I'll ask one more question, and I'll hand it back to yeah. Lucas. Um, okay. what's is what's Ringo's personality like in the studio? Is he is he like pretty workaholic heavy, or would you say he's kind of like, or is it hard to get him motivated to? You know, he's motivated to work. Uh, he doesn't do multiple. You know, he's he knows who he is as a singer and as a drummer. So he doesn't have to spend a lot of time at it. You know, he's, I mean, he's been doing it pretty obviously forever and he's really, you know, confident in his, especially in his drumming ability, the singing a little less so, but he, he, you know, he goes through it and he, you know, he works hard, you know, he, you'll hear on this new EP, you know, on that rock around the clock, he, he sings great, you know, for 81 year old guy rocking out like that. It's amazing. So, you know, he puts his all into it. And do you ever get to see him without his glasses? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> That's a rarity. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you, Lucas. Okay. 
So of course, before the EPs, you were doing full albums. Of course, you guys would always do 10 and out. Were there any times that you had more songs than 10 and you didn't and you left songs off the album? Um, it usually puts everything on the record that we've done. Uh, there was a couple records that we did a couple tracks that didn't really make it. I think actually on this latest EP, there was a song that, that didn't really work. So, you know, sometimes you hit a home run, sometimes you don't. But uh, uh, we don't do like, you know, some artists go in and do, you know, 20, 25 songs and they, they pick out 10 or 12 or something. You know, we never get that crazy. But on the other albums, there might have been one or two on, on a couple of the records that uh, didn't make it. But that, but, but we don't really finish them, you know. We'll we'll start them and then they just don't kind of gel together and we just kind of forget about it. Yeah. So, uh, of course, Ringo, he's always doing his updates. You've actually, you've actually been in a few of the updates, and of uh -huh. course, one of the behind the scenes videos. What's like the, uh, what's the process of those behind the scenes videos? Are you behind the camera most of the time or? No, uh, Ringo has a, a videographer, Brent Carpenter. Oh, he's still working with Brent? He's still working with Brent. Brent's really great because he's like uh, a one-man band with that whole shoot it. He's a fabulous editor. Uh, so he just kind of hangs out in the room and he, you know, he kind of, he's kind of almost invisible. So he lets things happen naturally. And I think he really captures a lot of those videos. He really captures the mood and, and the, uh, creative process that we do there so yeah he's he's really valuable in that i think we've done a lot more shooting in this last ep so there should be some good video out uh so hopefully especially like when they get a little bit of like the uh some just some like outtakes of like vocal and stuff and like just early versions i like hear the in progress right yeah i think he's got some of that so we'll see what what comes out but uh yeah he's uh he's friend still Brent's still on the scene. You guys should interview Brent. He's, he's got a lot of stories. Yeah, I've I've got I've got that in the works. Oh, good, good. You tell him I told him he should do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've worked with Steve Dudas before, right? I have, yeah. Yes. Wow. Steve, uh, I just worked with him on a another little project uh, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, he's uh he's a great guitar player. It's been been in the, the Ringo circle for years. Actually, yeah, 25 I, years. Yeah, before I was there, he was working. With them. Yeah. Um, exactly. The longest uh, person, like the longest amount of time someone's worked with a solo Beatle. It's like 21, 22 years of consecutive work. Who's Dudas? Yeah, because he's been on every single Ringo album since Vertical Man. And since he's not on Zoom In, but that's an EP. So it still counts. He's been on right. every album for the last 25 years. Yeah, that's true. Wow, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, Ringo's pretty uh, loyal to his people that work with him. You know, he's got his attorneys been with him even longer, back since the Beatle days. And then Elizabeth Freund, who's his publicist, has been with him probably long, has that long too. And um, have you, I know Vinnie Poncia worked with Ringo and has left the public eye. Does he ever mention Vinnie? Not really. I never met Vinnie. Is he still alive? I guess he's still alive. He's still alive, but I don't, 
I, I don't think he's really done much since 78. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, Vince. I know we did a couple years ago. We remade one of his, was it Wings? Remake of Wings, 2012. Right, that he, he, he wrote. But, uh, yeah, that was the probably the last time that name came up, you know. It's a killer album. Excuse me? Yeah, 2012 is a killer album. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, is there some funny moments, some funny Ringo moments that you would like to share? Is there ever days like, um, what are some funny Ringo moments, funny studio? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I have anything in particular, but, you know, he's always in a good mood. He always inspires the other musicians that are around. You know, we always have a good time. I mean... The best thing to do is watch those behind-the-scenes videos with Brent because he captures some of those. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything particular, but uh, he he is really inspiring to anyone that comes by the studio. Wow. Um, I mean, do you what what is your favorite Ringo album that you think you've worked on? Oh boy. Uh, that's a hard one. You know, I would you know, hopefully someday we'll be able to. I'm going to try to maybe get uh, Universal to, you know, after we do all these EPs, maybe do a best of over the last. I forget how long he's been on Universal. It's been a while. Been since 2015, Postcards in Paradise. Oh, he's, on a, he's on a sub of Universal since 2010. Right. That was really the end of the Mark Hudson years. So. He's done maybe, for a put, while. Yeah, maybe we can put something together the best of, you know. There's always some highlights of, of the record. Uh, I'd like to mm. put something like that together and maybe do Dolby Atmos mixes on everything. Yeah, it'd be a perfect track. opportunity to throw in like an extra track or a couple of unreleased songs. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's in the works or not, you know, but uh, hope maybe You mentioned cool. doing a compilation of the EPs for Christmas next year. Well, that that could happen too, you know. Put those together, and maybe he'll do one more before he goes on tour. I, I don't, I don't really know. You know, things are kind of up in the air. You know, everyone doesn't know how this pandemic's gonna play out, and if people are gonna back, be back on tour. And I know people are starting tours, but some of them are already been infected by COVID again. So. Knowing Ringo personally, um. Does he run like his own social media or is that um, run through an agency? Uh, you know, he's, he doesn't have a huge operation there. Uh, he doesn't do his, well, he does his own Twitter, I believe, which I'm not really on Twitter, but I think he does his own Twitter. I think Facebook and Instagram were probably done by his publicist. Okay. I'm not really sure, but you know, he, he has a lot to do with it. I mean, he'll, well, uh, if he has something he wants to post, he'll go ahead and tell his people to do it. You know, he has different pictures he likes to post here and there. I love those like statues in his studio. Oh right, yeah, yeah. He's been doing those for a while. How big um, are his, how big how many rooms would it, is his studio? Is it just like one room? It's one bedroom and a little kitchen area in the front room. Well, it's like a living room kitchen, which is the studio now. And then there's the, the bedroom where his drums are in. So it's really just two rooms, you know. It's a small space. Guest house. 
yeah, it's a guest house, but we make it work somehow. Um, is Ringo's house pretty big or? Uh, you know what, first you'd be surprised. I mean, it's a beautiful home and it's, you know, up on a hill overlooking LA and Beverly Hills. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, but it's one story, you know, kind of spread out. It's not, you know, it's not a mansion. His play, you know, he, he like, I don't know, three or four years ago, sold his place in England, uh, oh, wow. south of London in Cranley. And, and that was a, immense that was like a castle you know that place was 200 acres and just a, an amazing uh place uh but he had he recently sold that and he's relocated to la full-time and now you know he's been here on and off for years but he's a la guy but yeah his place isn't uh it's not a massive mansion by any means wow He's had, you know, he's had, he's had that and he's done it. And, you know, for him and his wife, there's no reason to live in a mega mansion. You know, what's the point? No. Um, and does, is Ringo usually eating his vet? Does he, does he stay true to the vegetable diet when you're the, um, to, is he, does he usually stay pretty loyal to that? Uh, I mean, he, you know, I'm not there when he eats his meals that much, but uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's a dedicated vegetarian. He's very dedicated to his health. He works out every day. He's got a trainer that comes by three times a week. Um, he's, you know, very conscious about nutrition. Obviously, he's been clean and sober for over 30 years, which has contributed to his, you know, his productivity. He probably wouldn't have been doing anything if he kept on that path, you know. Other than producing, what else are you interested in, just out of curiosity? Uh, I mean, I do, you know, music and uh, I mean, I have other hobbies that I do. I mentioned photography. Uh, my major in college when I graduated college was uh, environmental conservation and city planning. So I'm involved with environmentalism. Uh, you know, trying to uh, educate people on global warming and all that. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, living in LA, there's a lot of stuff outdoors I'll have to do. And, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been good. Uh, Lucas, I'll hand it over to you. Okay. okay. So, has your role really evolved? Because back on Why Not, in the liner notes, you're listed as just the recorder. But now in these on in this EP era, you're listed as the co-producer of Ringo. Uh, actually, why not? I was co-producer, and uh, I mean my role had changed that much. Sometimes the credits reflect different things, but uh, you know we kind of make these records together. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a great journey with him and. Uh, Sometimes I contribute more than others, you know, but uh, it's, uh, you know, when I, on the first couple albums, you know, that Mark Hudson did, the, uh, I think it was Ringorama, Choose Love, and then uh, Liverpool 8, yeah. I was mainly just a recorder on those, a recorder on those, those uh, records. And then I guess when Mark left the scene, uh, uh, I got more involved in 
in production and stuff. Have you ever worked on material for Ringo that isn't current? Have you ever worked on unreleased legacy material or regular regular legacy material? You mean older tracks that he did? Yeah, older tracks, like before your time with Ringo. Uh, I mean, the only time I think we did that, I mean, on on that remake of Back Off Boogaloo. This is coming in. That one, we had some old pieces that we used. Well, we kind of used a bunch of different pieces on that. And then uh, I think that was the only thing that we did from old stuff, you know. Um, I don't think he likes to look backwards too much, you know. Yeah. I could always see a rarities collection because that'd be very, very interesting. Just the one CD of the stuff. All those unreleased tracks that we have in writing but we don't have in audio all oh, right yeah i don't i'm not sure what, what if that's all going to be you know that that stuff's probably all over the place i don't even know where the masters are on a lot of that stuff they could have been lost in that fire that universal had a few years ago i don't know yeah and there's actually a crazy story about the old wave out album the masters that were actually destroyed by a tibetan prince what <laughs> I bought uh Tiddenhurst Park, some uh, like a Tibetan or uh United Arab and Emirates prince. He destroyed a whole bunch of John Lennon paintings and Ringo Masters. Really? Oh wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, you know, you know what's gonna happen and all that. I think there's some there might be some cool stuff happening with the all-star band stuff as well, you know, because that if you look at the history of that, most of those bands have been recorded so hopefully at some point they'll put together a yeah there's always been live albums at least going back a few years there's always been a live album for every tour but that'd be nice to do an anthology of you know, a second anthology of the all-stars yeah there was that one but that wasn't that complete that one yeah and uh another question okay so you know ringo he does the remakes What's like his, uh, but what's the philosophy behind these remakes going back to everyone wins? You know what? I think it's records that he, that influenced him, that he really loves. You know, he liked the, on this latest one, Rock Around the Clock, he, that uh, record was a big influence on him as a, when he was a young kid. I think it was like 14 or 15 when he first heard that. And, uh, I think that made a big, impression on him and so he wanted to do that one um, I know what other remakes he's done a couple other he's done over the years some of them were, were his own songs that he remade. yeah that's what i meant like re the remakes of his own songs the remakes. Oh, right i think he, you know i think most artists they they do a song and most people aren't really happy at the end of the day with how it comes out. So they, they try to redo them. Sometimes they think he can't pull out like a song from like 1998 or something in a live set. So he redoes it. So it's on the new record. Right. And so it can be in the live set. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what his thought process is on that, but uh, uh, it's fun doing some, you know, more current remakes of some of those. The Wings was a fun one to do. Yeah, he did that live for a while, of course. Yeah, that yeah, was the single of that record, so they, they yeah. that On Ringo 2012, there is a very interesting track called Samba. Oh, Samba, yeah. That it's was a uh, Van Dyke Parks collaboration. Right. 
right. Yeah, Van Dyke's one of them. Like being in the studio for that. Uh, I mean, Van Dyke, there's no one like Van Dyke Parks, man. He's like a true original guy, you know. He's got a very sophisticated musical uh, approach. And uh, yeah, that was a fun record. That, that Speaking of remakes, I think he did uh, what Rock Island Line on that one too, right? Yeah, that's a good one. It was and a remake. Go on that. remake. And that was a that was another record that when he was growing up was influential on him. That whole record was really, it's really a bit of a remake sound. You could get Step Lightly too. Right. That's right. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. And the, and the album title is a pun on Ringo 2012. So that's a whole, the album title is a remake. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So yeah, turn it back over to uh, Hudson. All right. So I'm going to ask you one more question. And then I think we'll come to a close. Um, okay. What does this experience mean to you? What did this mean to you? All, all the work that you've done with Ringo. Uh, I mean, it's been a blessing to work with Ringo. Just, you know, number one, working with one of your childhood idols is, is amazing. Uh, and then the networking opportunities I've got, just the people I've met through him have been amazing. And also, his example uh, of someone who can uh, walk through this life and, and how he approaches uh, just everyday life, you know, with a positive attitude, a healthy lifestyle. And he's a real uh, example of how to age gracefully and a youthful society here, you know. So he's he's been a, a huge influence on me, starting when I was you know eight years old. So it's it's pretty amazing to to be working with him all these years, and I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, it's definitely been a blessing. So Bruce, um, is there anything else you would like to plug? Uh, not really. You know, I'm just uh, just a work for hire guy here in L.A. You know, and. Uh, I'm, I'm available for mixing, production, whatever. But, uh, you know, like I said, this last year and a half during the pandemic, one of the blessings is I've been so busy working with people who just want to record because they're not on the road. So it's been a great year and uh, look forward to seeing your podcast. Does this come out soon or? Tonight. Tonight it's coming out. Yeah. Hudson's usually fast with uploading. Okay, and you lo you upload the video or the audio or both? Video oh. probably on the video areas, and then for like audio stuff like iTunes, probably audio. Okay, if you can send me the link, that'd be great. Sometime. I will do that. So, right. um, Lucas, um, tell us about your show, Ringo Rama. I've got a podcast called Ringo Rama. We're going through the Ringo albums chronologically. As, at this time, I'm actually kind of on a bit of a break. But I'll be back in a couple weeks with the Bad Boy episode. And it's very fun. I even interview a lot of people. Very fun. So that's basically my podcast. Um, and how can we get in touch with you, Lucas? I'm on iTunes. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. I'm on all of them. Um, so if you would like to get in touch with the show, email me at solobeetlespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're... 
I'd switch distribution center. So we are finally back on audio platforms. Woohoo. <laughs> um, um, so that is all, Bruce. I want to thank you so much for doing the interview. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks. All right. Thank you. And uh, thanks for keeping up the legacy of, of Ringo and the Beatles and, and keeping it in the public eye. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you.